Welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Fall One Fanatic with Chris Moss and Jake Peach, our first episode in 2022. Thank you for stopping by and listening to our podcast. We're effectively going into our second season now. It's incredible that so much time has passed in the last year. Don't forget, or if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode in what is going to be a fantastic season. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and we are at ATO Podcast underscore on Instagram. Well, we're back in 2022. Hope you haven't missed us too much. Have you got over the conclusion of last season? Or are you still reeling from what happened in front of your eyes in Abu Dhabi for the last race of the season? In this bonus episode now that the dust has settled, we're going to review one of the greatest seasons in a long time in the sport and pick some of our favourite moments from throughout 2021. And joining us this week as our guest on the podcast to help us run through all the key moments and memories is none other than F1 reporter and journalist Rosanna Tennant. We'll get on to 2021 and all the chaos and drama it provided in a short while on the episode. But before all that, let's introduce our guest for this episode, F1 journalist and presenter Rosanna Tennant. Welcome to Around the Outside. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much. I'm really well. And it's so fabulous to at least be able to see your faces because we've been emailing, <laughs> trying to set up this for quite a while, quite a few months. I think it was in the middle of last season. So it is nice. A new year, 2022. Yeah. And to see both of you on screen so we can do this podcast. Um, it's great. I'm feeling fresh, ready to go. Yeah, well, it's been a, a wild season. You probably didn't have a moment to look at your email. So, um, <laughs> you know, because of what was going on. So we're very grateful for you to be coming on. Um, and someone that was, you know, you were very close to the action throughout the season. We're going to sort of recap a little bit on, on 2021. We've given it a bit of time to breathe because I feel like people really needed that. There was so much going on at the time. Of course, the last race, we all know what happened. I'm sure as we'll come on to. But we thought we'd go into your career a little bit first because you are a guest on the podcast and find out about, you know, how you got into motorsport and some of the work you're doing. So, yeah, to start us off, where did this journey towards working F1 and the feeder series start for you? Well, it all actually began because I wanted to be a newsreader. So I kind of positioned my education, as it were, um, in that kind of way, in that direction. So ended up doing a master's in broadcast journalism and then reached out to Sky News for a little bit of work experience. And they had me in for a couple of weeks in the summer, but that was back in 2011, I think. So a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, It seems like forever ago, but actually it's just felt it's flown as well. Um, and did a couple of weeks with them. And while I was there, they said, go and shadow one of the presenters who happened to be filming with Jensen Button and McLaren. They were doing a filming day at the Hilton on Park Lane. And I went along and I sort of watched what John Desborough did. And he changed the wheel and interviewed Jensen and Sir Sterling Moss was there. And I thought, actually, news reading will be lovely, but this looks pretty cool too. I could kind of get on board with the presenting element and being out there and meeting people and interviewing people. And off the back of that day of filming, I met a, a man who worked in a sports marketing agency, which happened to specialize in Formula One sailing and cycling. Um, and I've kept, I've worked with them for, well, the best part of the last decade and still have a relationship with that agency now. And it kind of just led me in the direction of Formula One, but the agency could have specialized in something totally different. So mm. I could be sitting here talking to a, a swimming podcast or <laughs> an athletics podcast. It could have been anything. Mm. Um, but I was very spoiled because Formula One, of course, is just the most incredible sport and world, really. And it has given me the best years 
traveling the world, meeting sensational people, incredibly intelligent people. Um, and it has just been the most amazing career thus far. So, um, so in summary, I guess I wasn't setting out to work in F1 is maybe what your listeners will have deduced from that. I definitely wanted to be telling stories, whether that was on radio or on television. Uh, and of course, I was lucky because I got asked to present a, a YouTube channel called Pole Position back in mm. the day in 2013. So I was also lucky because other options were coming up at that point. You know, YouTube was suddenly becoming a thing. Since then, of course, we've now got TikTok. And mm. I don't know, I kind of just happened to catch it perhaps almost a little too early. I think YouTube were a bit of a but ahead of the game, they knew that there was yeah. going to be a lot of content going on back in 2013, but other people were kind of slow to catch up and brands definitely. But yeah, it's been wondrous. And Formula One, I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't have wished for a better sport to have, to have fallen into, which absolutely, um, yeah, sounds a bit grandiose, but yeah. So before obviously going into knowing that you were going to go into journalism, did you ever sort of watch Formula One? Did you watch motorsport? Did you have any sort of motorsport background? My brother used to watch it. So it was the soundtrack to our Sunday lunches. It was always <laughs> on, like it was like new, new. Um, and okay, I knew some of the names of the drivers, you know, a young girl, and this of course is very stereotypical, but wouldn't perhaps know Yano Trulli or Fisa Keller. Mm. So I would know when someone would say that, I'd be like, oh, that was Formula One, because my brother was watching it. Um I kind of didn't watch a race in its entirety until I got to the Australian Grand Prix 2013, when I was there to host content for Pole Position, the YouTube channel. <laughs> right, okay. I have to say, I felt an incredible fraud sitting in the media center, <laughs> tens of thousands of miles from home, having been flown to Australia to do the job. And I remember sitting mm. there looking at the screen thinking, my gosh, uh, <laughs> I hope I know enough. Uh, so there was a lot of cramming just to make sure I kind of knew the lay of the land before mm. I got uh, to the F1 paddock. But I hadn't really kind of I've been really focused on my I was trying to do broadcasting yeah. anytime I wasn't at work or at um uni or at school I was always trying to get work experience at local paper local radio mm. that was my absolute goal I was so desperate for my CV to show that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist and I didn't really mind what that was whether it was general news whether it was entertainment whether it was sport and as I say it happened to be f1 but um, obviously since then I have watched a lot of races and I've also yeah. tried to delve back into the history books because it's quite unnerving when you come into a sport like Formula One and you haven't been in it for years, there are journalists in that paddock that have been in it for decades mm. and know everything. So, yeah, it's a constant learning curve. Um, and yes, I wish I had watched it for longer because the battles that I think I must have missed growing up, you know, in the 90s, <laughs> I was born in 1987, but mm. some of the battles that I was missing watching um, Formula One uh, would have been sensational to have seen firsthand on a Sunday afternoon. Of course, there have been countless, uh, countless battles. We could we could be here for for days, um, going going through all of that. But um, your sort of like your first experience in your first race, you said was Australia 2013. Can you remember the first time you got a call to be involved with F1 and and what that moment was like? Because that must have been pretty momentous, you know, stage for you in your career. For Formula One, I had done lots of different roles. So I've mentioned the Pole Position YouTube channel. I've been lucky enough to host that for a couple of years. Then I flicked over to working with the Mercedes team um, quite closely. And that was through mm. that sports marketing agency, developing their content, hosting their content. And I'd been hosting their hospitality suite for guests at races. So special people who'd come to, to see the race with Mercedes, I would be in the, the paddock club, chatting to them, explaining to them a bit more about the sport and interviewing Lewis and Nico, of course, back then. It was in 2016. Mm. Uh, pretty crazy year to be on the road yeah, yeah. with Mercedes, I have to say, with that rivalry <laughs> going on. You talk about the battles, of course, Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, one of the fiercest ones we've seen. 
And at the end of 2016, it became clear that actually that wasn't going to be um, a job that was there again in 2017 for me in the paddock club. So I thought, well, what can I do? So I sort of had a walk around the paddock and I had a chat with some people managed to get the email of one of the big directors at F1. And in the off season, I just sent him an email and said, you know, I'm, I'm working in F1 at the moment, but I'm looking for other opportunities. And he replied saying, actually, we're quite kind of full as it were for talent, like on screen. And of course this was before F1 TV became a thing. And it's been in the last three years or so that that's really started to grow. Um, Anyway, I replied and said, thank you so much. And, and just so you know, I also speak French and Spanish. Uh, <laughs> it is a little rusty at present, but I do speak it. I studied it at uni. Um, and he said, oh, well, actually, that could be quite useful. Um, come to the first test and uh, we'll see what we can do and perhaps how you can help. Oh, my gosh, here we go. <laughs> that was 2017, Barcelona. And um, I've been lucky enough to be asked back um, quite a few times since then. And it's been brilliant. And as I say, I've sort of been part of, or, or at least seen it grow massively. The digital side of F1, I hope you guys as fans mm, absolutely. have enjoyed the growth yeah. and the interaction. Right. I think back then in sort of end of 2016, it was just like bubbling under the surface. Mm. But I think really um, there's been a big push to engage with fans. It's an incredible sport. It's a global sport. It should be punching uh, along with the heavyweights of this world of like football and MotoGP actually were le- leading the way, I think, mm. in the, the motorsport space back then. Um, and it's been brilliant. You know, we get to see a bit more behind the scenes. We see more about the drivers. We learn more. There's an educational kind of slant to some of mm. the content as well. And if you're new to F1, they're also good at kind of kind of bringing you in like to the casual fan and also giving you a little taster of what you might have missed and rivalries of past and, and kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a good sort of all-inclusive welcoming environment, I think now. So I've been lucky enough to be part of that. And yeah, that first call, that first reply to the email, I always <laughs> say to people, just email, email, email. And, you know, I'm yeah. still one of those people that is like, woohoo, I got a yes. <laughs> it's not a no. <laughs> yeah. Keep on trying. I think there's the moral of that story. Absolutely. Of course, as always. So you're obviously very passionate about getting more women into motorsport and you've had been a big part of the campaign by Motorsport UK called Girls on Track. Can you tell us a bit some of your work in the project and how it's trying to change the status quo? Yeah, of course. So Girls on Track UK um, has sort of grown out of Dare to be Different, which was founded by Susie Wolf, who perhaps some of you will have uh, seen in the F1 world, uh, seen now, of course, in Formula E as well, uh, and was a huge game changer in terms of getting women into to sport. And so I approached Susie quite a few years ago and said I'd like to be involved with Dare to be Different because it really, um, those words, you know, Dare to be Different, I'm quite different. I even just visually, I'm six foot two. That's not <laughs> inverted commas normal for a girl. Um, you know, I work in a sport that perhaps isn't the norm for a girl. And so mm. I sort of thought, dare to be different. That's great because it kind of reaches out to everybody. And that's also female, male, however you identify, whatever you're interested in. Mm. Different. It doesn't have to actually therefore be linked to motorsport. It could be because you're interested in something that your friends at school aren't into or your peers at uni aren't into. And that makes you feel different and therefore maybe a little nervous. But if you're mm. part of something, like dare to be different perhaps you'll feel a little bit more comfy and be kind of encouraged to pursue those those different dreams then dare to be different sort of morphed into girls on track uk with as you say motorsport uk's backing and i've continued uh, to be a part of that and i'm an ambassador for them and there's still the same sort of thread we host wonderful days for young girls to come and experience motorsport and we break it down into all the different areas there are 
within F1 and motorsport more generally. So there might be, if we're lucky enough to be at a motorsport facility, there might be an element of karting. Mm. Uh, and some girls have never even been in a kart and they don't want to go in a kart. They're like, I don't, that's not my thing. That's not my <laughs> yeah. thing. And you're like, well, just look, give it a go. Mm. You can even just have a look at the kart. You don't have to get in it. You don't have to drive it. But why not try it? Why not do something different today and step out of your comfort zone? Mm. And it's almost 10 out of 10. I'm going to say nine out of 10 just to be cautious. But <laughs> they come back in and go, oh, my God, I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. You're like, there you go. So if you hadn't tried, you'd never have known. And there's the same kind of um, similar situations throughout the day of a little bit of engineering. The girls have to sort of create a sort of almost like a hovercraft hoverboard thing. And I'm terrible at science, wow. which is like, back to uh, the future. Exactly. <laughs> and they sort of work with that. And then there's a bit of CPR training. So we try and make sure that they leave with some really good transferable skills as well. Mm. Um, and then there's a little part of the day where they come and um, spend an hour or so with me where we create a podium scenario so obviously we have to slightly uh, tweak it because now we don't really have interviews on the podium anymore but say it's in the park Ferme area mm. and we set up a scene where there are three girls who are the three drivers first second and third and then there's another girl who's playing the role of the interviewer and the presenter and so we just try to get them feeling a bit more comfortable standing up in front of their friends mm. because that can be a nerve-wracking thing some people you know I don't mind standing up in front of people. That's obviously my job and my passion <laughs> led me to do that. So it's not something that phases me. Yeah, I still get a pang of adrenaline and a bit mm. nervous, but some people absolutely hate it. And I've had girls in tears, very young girls. So you're, I can't do it. Don't make me. And you're like, don't worry, don't worry. Like, right, we'll do it together. And you say this line and I'll say this line. Yeah. And by the end of the day, I always think whether I'm, you know, seeing it through certain like rose tinted spectacles, I think the girls stand a little bit taller. They look a little bit more confident in how they hold themselves mm. because I think they've pushed themselves out of their comfort zone, tried something different. And my hope is that whether it's what they learned with me in the workshop for, for mm. media and for journalism, or whether it's the CPR, you know, maybe they'll go away and it will have planted a little seed in them to think, actually, I'd love to be a scientist or I'd love to be a doctor or I would love to be an F1 driver or a journalist or work mm. in hospitality, whatever it might be. It's just igniting that spark. And I think that's why Girls on Track UK has been uh, so successful, dare to be different as well. And I think any initiative that pushes people, regardless of gender, to do what they love and to follow a passion, that is just the, the best thing. Yeah, of course. Um, we we totally agree with that because it's amazing to see the sort of changes happening. And talking of those changes, of course, the, these projects are kind of like the the starting point and the building blocks for you know dripping into other series but now we've got the w series we've got extreme e which is of 50 50 drivers and teams um with male and female uh what where, where do you think we are in sort of uh in 2022 now i know stefano domenicali has made a sort of big commitment uh i think it was a sort of beginning of last season to really push towards having a female f1 driver on the grid we've had susie wolf be on the grid jamie chadwick is now involved with williams and and uh, jess hawkins as well where do you where can you see it going and, and how long do you think it will be till we have an f1 female driver you're right we're sort of tiptoeing towards it aren't we it's, mm. it, all the all the right things are happening i think it would have been wrong to have rushed it i think if we'd had a driver a female driver on the grid a couple of years ago just because it sort of solved that problem put a sticking plaster on mm. the issue i think that would have been no good and so people who are saying oh, it's taking forever well, it needs to. We need to do it in the right way, in the correct way. We want to have a female driver on the grid who is there through talent, not just through, you know, making up the numbers. And I think it's fantastic that initiatives like Girls on Track UK are kind of sowing the seeds for, for all these changes we're mm -hmm. seeing. I, I'm often... Um, 
uh, there on the, the days at Girls on Track UK when Jamie Chadwick comes and talks to the girls. And it's really inspirational for those young girls sitting there because it can be a little abstract. You know, we're giving them that little seed, mm. but it's up to them to go away and water it and grow their ambitions and their passions. But when you can actually see a driver who is female standing up in front of you saying, oh, hi, I'm Jamie Chadwick and I, I race uh, in a series called W Series. You might not have heard of it, but and I'm in Extreme E and, and I'm now with Williams. And they're like, my gosh, it's actually as real. This isn't just pretend stories and mm. we're making it up and having a lovely day. So I think that's really important. Um, I think, as you mentioned, this W Series, Extreme E, uh, the fact that we have drivers now working with F1 teams. Jess Hawkins is at um, the track a lot with Aston Martin, of course, mm. with her official uh, role with them. I think it's all moving in the right direction. I can't put a time frame on no. when, when we'll see. Obviously, it would be lovely in the next few years. But as I say, it's just got to be done in the right way. And, mm. and I want the other drivers on the grid to totally respect it because I think sometimes you can get that sort of like, oh, she's just here because yeah. and you, that would be the worst. That would be the worst conversation to have going around what would have been a, a huge monumental shift for the sport. So I can't wait for it to happen, but it's just got to happen the right way. Mm. In the off season and, you know, then after a very long season for you, especially, <laughs> what yes, have you sort I'm of been still recovering? What, <laughs> what, 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 what sort of things have you been doing, sort of in your downtime, sort of chilling out before we start up again in what is only a couple of weeks' time for testing? I know you're right. The time has flown, given that I think I've worked. I mean, poor me, sob story, working in F1. <laughs> Get my little violin out. Um, I think I worked right up pretty much to Christmas Eve with. Um, voiceovers and all sorts of things sort of mm. just tying up the loose ends of the season and I was lucky enough to be at Red Bull's um, headquarters in Milton Keynes to see Max come home I don't know if you saw the footage with all the wonderful yeah. orange, orange flares, flares. <laughs> yeah it was awesome um I mean you need almost like a gas mask so you didn't inhale too much of it <laughs> but it was a real moment uh, so I was there to see that and I also then uh, popped down the road to Brackley a couple of days later to uh, be there when Lewis and Valtteri came back because of course Mercedes were celebrating the constructors mm. so it was a real sort of rush of, of things to do at the end of the season, as you mentioned at the top, you know, pretty contentious end to 2021, but there was still celebrations to be had. People had still done fabulous jobs, whichever way you kind of swing on who you prefer and what you thought of what happened. Uh, so that happened. Then there was the F1 Christmas party, which I hosted with DC. So that was a lovely moment for the, the employees of F1 who sort of made the whole show happen really to mm. have a moment. And then, um, well, then it was voiceovers to sort of tie up what had happened, season reviews. And, and I'm still doing quite a lot of voiceovers at the moment, you know, lots of top 10 kind of videos that F1 are, are churning out at the moment. So it's been busy. I think I've also managed to have a bit of downtime. I've moved house. I've been on holiday, which was very lovely, I have to say, not sounding too <laughs> spoiled. You know, it's lovely to be flown for work, but it is lovely to have yeah. a beginning, middle and end of a holiday that is all your own. Yeah, it's not work. <laughs> off you know it's it's so nice you turn up to Heathrow or whichever airport you're flying from and inevitably you'll bump into people and that's so nice because you know hello hello and it you know if you've got an element of being a bit homesick for being away for a long time it is so nice to have friends around you uh, right from the start of your journey but sometimes it's lovely just to be away from all of that and just to totally relax and decompress uh, and then as you say Chris get ready for what will only be I'm sure another thrilling season I mean 2021 <laughs> was just above and beyond but i have a, a sneaky feeling 2022 might might even surpass it so i'm ready i'm ready for it as well it's been great to hear about a little bit about your career now let's move on to reviewing yes. some of what happened <laughs> in 2021 
okay, so 2021 was quite possibly one of the greatest seasons we have ever seen. I don't think that is an understatement at all. Um, I mean, right from the offer Anna, Hamilton and Verstappen in Bahrain really set the tone for the rest of the season. And I don't think we quite expected what was going to come from the races after that, but certainly not in the first race, right from the word go. No, you're totally right. That was like a little appetizer for 2021, wasn't it? <laughs> if you were turned off by that, then hopefully you, you left Formula One entirely, but hopefully it got everybody involved and, and interested. On, and it just kind of set the scene, didn't it? That sort of mm. battling, the pushing off, the giving back of places. I mean, it was a little kind of microcosm of what then happened uh, throughout the year, but wonderful. Just they gave us so much, both on track and off track. Uh, and I'm sure we'll discuss many more little incidents between Max and Lewis, but you're right, right from the get-go, I think, well, we should have believed that we were going to be treated to an incredible season because mm-hmm. at the end of every race weekend, I, I sort of thought, oh, can't get any more exciting than that. And then the next weekend, off it went again. And there were just more stories, more things added every weekend, whether it was penalties or pushing each other off track or landing mm-hmm. on top of each other. Uh, you, just couldn't, <laughs> you just couldn't make it up. And that was the beauty of it, wasn't it? There was absolutely no form book no script and we'll get onto the rule book i'm sure a little later on oh, god yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so very early on into the season we were getting shocks left right and center and i think the first major shock of the season was Charles leclerc at monaco getting pole position in his ferrari i don't think anybody on the planet would have ever have said that and if well, you did then i hope you put a lot of money down <laughs> yeah absolutely tell me where you live as well i'd like a little chunk of it um it was fabulous wasn't it a monogas driver on pole and then it was just heartbreaking the way it all kind of came undone but it was a definite feel-good factor i think for those fans supporting ferrari of course the tofosi and, and mm. worldwide i think it was a little glimpse of perhaps what might be to come for Ferrari. I think they're massively turning it around. They've got a great driver pairing. I think Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, two of the best drivers on the grid without doubt. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what 2022's new rules and regulations uh, might bring the mm. team from Maranello. Um, and you're right. Yeah, Monaco, that would have been so, so perfect. Um, but it's a circuit that bites. It certainly is. <laughs> Yeah, that does. And he and he couldn't race on. But you mentioned Ferrari there. Like if we go back to, you know, the the sort of 2018, 2019, when there was all that saga with the engine, which we still don't really know what <laughs> yes. happened to this day. Um, how, you know, how impressed have you been with them this season now? They've sort of now really sort of tried to turn it around. And and Charles Leclerc has kind of really been out driving that car on a lot of occasions and signs too, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Both of them, I think, driving incredibly well. I think with a car that suited some circuits that perhaps we didn't think they would at the very Mm. beginning. Um, It was a little weird on its tyres and places. I remember talking to both the drivers in France. They were really struggling. I think it was with a medium tyre. So each weekend, kind of, there were different things catching them out. But I hope that everything can come together for 2022 because whoever you you go for, whoever you, you support in F1, it's only right that a Ferrari should be troubling the top few places uh, on the Formula One grid, given the history and the heritage of the team. So um, I'm really hopeful that we'll see them back at the front and, and properly you know, taking, taking wins. He came close again in Silverstone, of course, and that was another debacle of a weekend. But yeah, um, yeah Charles and Carlos, both deserving of, of multiple F1 wins in their career. And I'm, I'm sad, as you say, about the 2018-2019 saga. Mm. That was also sad because you almost think... Oh, did those wins really count then? I don't yeah. know if there were things that were underhand that were going on, uh, which you kind of get the the flavor that there might've been given the secrecy around how it was all sorted out. You sort of just hope that those, those wins aren't hollow. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Especially as Charles got his first wins in the, that time and 
Sebastian Vettel as well with such, you know, great moments for Ferrari. Of course, it didn't all come together for him. But yeah, it's a bit of a sad sort of little mm. vacuum of time, that bit of their, their success. Well, Mercedes would have just seemed more dominant anyway. So I guess... I know. <laughs> even more frightening, even yeah. more terrifying. <laughs> so obviously we then moved to Baku. Again, Charles Leclerc, pole position, out of track where if you thought he was good at Monaco, it shouldn't have been good at Baku, but it was. He got pole position. Street um, circuit, street circuit. There you yeah. go. So the, the underlying um, factor. But I think the, the, the biggest um, thing for that race was was the high speed punctures we were getting. Lance Stroll just coming onto the straight, and then obviously Max halfway down the straight. Before then, we then had a, a sprint race, basically the first ever sprint race, five <laughs> laps in yeah. Baku. That was in intense. Which, yeah, I mean. It was an intense race. Baku, I think, when we went there for the first time, F2, I think, had quite a big a big race, shall we say. And I think we were all expecting the same from F1. It didn't really happen. There was a bit more caution from the F1 drivers. But subsequently, we've had some fantastic races mm. in Baku. And you sort of think, oh, it won't really happen. Maybe not. And it was brilliant. I mean, the tyres exploding, obviously, is not good racing. It's not good for anyone, <laughs> least of all Pirelli. But um, obviously, it all kind of came about that everything is fine off the back of that. But um, it was a shame because it obviously ruined Max Verstappen's race, uh, Lance Stroll as well. I think that the lap, the five lap shootout, as you say, was, kind of, was it five laps? Oh, gosh, I, I, I think it was three, I was, five or three. three yeah. Five or three. I, I only I wasn't there for all of them, which sounds silly because mm. I commentate on the race, but I had to go and get ready to interview Sebastian Vettel. Mm in a little audio booth to do driver of the day. Um, so I missed the very last bit. I did see Lewis Hamilton, of course, locking up and we had that, the magic button, <laughs> yeah. uh, the infamous magic oh. uh, being left on as he careered down into the off-road of, of turn one. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I think, we, well, we came to love sprint racing, I think probably at the end of 2021. Uh, and the Baku one was just a little glimpse of what was to come when we put the drivers through their paces over just a handful of laps. I think if we look at hindsight going back on the season now, uh, obviously it's easy to do that, but it was one of the key moments, the what ifs, both for Hamilton and Verstappen, because it kind of neutralised, didn't it? But either of them could have really sort of catalyzed their stronghold on the on the championship. And then we had obviously the races in Austria and, and Verstappen kind of dominated there. We had the orange flares, as you said earlier, where like at Milton Keynes, we had all of that. And then of course we get to Silverstone and on day one with the sprint, we have Hamilton backing out, but then on day two, he wasn't so kind and probably yeah. was throwing a move that was really contentious and kind of still hurts Red Bull to this day. Kind of what's what has been the feeling going on from that race that you've sort of picked up on throughout the, the races and the end of the season? How do they sort of respond to that now? I think we we knew it was going to get a bit spicy, a bit fruity, whichever adjective you want to, <laughs> to throw at it. Um, between them, I don't think we saw the way it played out in Silverstone coming so soon. I think that was mm. the moment where we were like, actually, this could really detonate. And of course it did in Silverstone. And um, I just remember the, the kind of rules in the commentary box for us is that I commentate the start, call the start, get up to about turn four, and then I hand over to Brundle. Mm. But I, I didn't think I even had Brundle in the box. Who did I have? I can't remember. Anyway, and I was just like... <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. I couldn't stop because obviously it was just going, 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 going. And they were just fighting for each other. No one was giving an inch. No. And it was sensational to watch. Of course, it all came off very badly for Max Verstappen. And then we had all of the sort of the sportsmanship element playing out with Lewis Hamilton celebrating with a flag and Max saying he was watching that from his hospital bed. And that was very mm. uh, disrespectful. And I think that was, again, the moment where 
we started to see that this could get a little nasty. Um, and then we then saw it happen again in Monza and we saw it again <laughs> in Brazil. And uh, yeah, look, you get two fantastic races in actually two cars that can challenge each other on, on different Sundays, weirdly, some being ahead of mm. the other, but managing to always find themselves at the front battling together. Um, you're going to get a recipe for, for either disaster or spectacular entertainment, which we I have to say, I think we saw more of the latter mm. um, and obviously just a few bits that kind of spilled over with the, the passion and the, the, the will to win yeah. driving survive. <laughs> and then obviously we've gone from Silverstone where we had the carnage between the two championship contenders to then a game of bowling with Valtteri Bottas into the first <laughs> corner. Um, Hungary, Hungary. Yeah. That was bad, wasn't it? That was like a, you're right, sort of temping bowling. And then it was just like a car park at turn one. Yeah. Everyone just was scattered off. Like everyone just practicing their driving tests. Like it reminds, me of two, it reminds me of 2007 with Nürburgring when they all just kept flying off. Yeah. Flying off, yeah. It, it was one of those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, they've gone two. Oh, and we've lost another and another and another. And they were just, yeah. even as we kind of came round turn one, heading down to her, like, I was like, oh my gosh, more, more. Um, yeah, it didn't stop. And nice. that was an amazing race. That was mm. one of my favorite moments i have to say was seeing esteban ocon win i think he is testament to um persevering staying mm. in the game working your hardest showing up you know he'd worked so hard with the mercedes team before coming back into f1 again mm. and it, hopefully that might be the same for alex album this mm. year with okay joining williams a little bit of a different outfit but you never know and yes he's he's just epitomized that kind of never say never and never say die um attitude. So I was so happy he won, but I was also super excited by the battle between Alonso and Hamilton. I thought yeah. that was great. This well, people say it wasn't really a battle. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was just great. A little bit of, you know, I mean, it was, it was a whole lot of defending from Fernando. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel epic. like, you know, he, he was in another car who knows that he could have been doing that further up the field, but yeah. it was amazing. I mean, that Alpine became like three times as well. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, and I think Lewis didn't realize he was going to have to fight so hard to, to get a move on him, but yeah, what a, what a great race and what a way to actually go into the summer break. Cause I think at that point Lewis was leading, wasn't he into the summer? Yeah, so it just, was, it was, a uh, yeah, you couldn't have made that first half up and it kind of definitely kept on the edge of our seat, ready to go again in Belgium. Hmm. Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I mean, the, the star of the show in Belgium, uh, it was George Russell. And I think we'd seen glimpses of what he was uh, really performing at the level he was in 2021 yeah. in Austria, um, had to retire in the first race because of hydraulic pressure. And then sadly, uh, couldn't keep Alonso at bay for that top 10. But um, George Russell came to his own in the, in the wet conditions at Spa, which sadly, of course, there wasn't a race. But boy, if there had been, it would have been an incredible incredible first few corners yeah George Russell is sensational he is my hot tip for 2022 although who knows the rules and regs could totally neutralize everything and it mm. might be someone totally different in a totally different car but if you're going on previous form Mercedes surely going to be up there and George Russell I cannot wait to potentially see him take the fight to Lewis Hamilton fingers mm. crossed for, for both of those yeah. scenarios to happen um <laughs> but yeah Belgium was great obviously it's a bit 
kind of mm, that he got his first podium with um, half points and Belgium being a complete damp squib. But hey, look, he was in it to win it and he put in a, an incredible performance on the Saturday. Mm. I thought he was he was excellent and he's pushed his team so much. And I think the respect that he and Nicholas Latifi have for each other, you know, they're friends, but Nick, Nicky's kind of talked about how brilliant George is and how, how amazingly he has done to perform in the way he has. So yeah, I can't wait to see what the future brings for George. And yeah, Belgium was a great moment for him just to kind of show everybody really that, you know, he's here. He, he wanted, and he wanted Toto Wolff to take him seriously. I think that was a real game changer for him. Mm. Well, we had the comments earlier in the season at Imola where George and obviously Valtteri had a collision and the, the comment of a huge collision one or uh Renault Cup. And I feel like, you know, since then George had it in his mindset that he needed to show what is now his boss, yeah, what he can do. And you know, it shows how important a Saturday can be as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We always have that sort of classic phrase with the interviewers after qualifying, you know, oh, you know, and what about tomorrow? And they're like, well, that's tomorrow's the only day that counts. Tomorrow's the only day they give out points for a Sunday. And you're like, actually, not so. Um, you never know. Uh, so yeah, he, was, he did exactly what he needed to do. And I think he guided the team perfectly in terms of when to go out in the wet and and yeah, the track came to him, the conditions came to him, and he's actually an incredible driver in those those tricky conditions. And that's what's so great about the the teams lower down the field. You just never mm. know, do you? You just have no. to be there, ready to go. Um, you know, you might be thinking, oh, we'll just be languishing in P17 again, or maybe like obviously George, Mr. Saturday, always performing, mm. but you don't you never know where actually that could play out. You think it might be in that sort of mid-zone, but mm. yeah, why not? Podium position for the win. Woo. No PowerPoint presentation needed on, on this occasion no. throughout, throughout no, the no. season. <laughs> or maybe a little video just to click to his qualifying yeah. performance. This is me. <laughs> and then of course we had Verstappen um, racing for his adoring fans in, in the Netherlands. And again, we see the flares. Uh, what was, was you at the Net 11th race, by the way? No, you I weren't. wasn't. I was really sad. I was sent out there, um, gosh, 2019 mm. to preview Zandvoort. And I had a lovely walk around the circuit, obviously before all of the work had really happened to, to make sure the fans could fit in. Because of course, the sand dunes are fairly kind mm. of in your face, uh, especially around turn one. Um, and I had a lovely time walking around there. Beautiful area. Really loved um, my day trip. I'd actually never been to, to the Netherlands before. So it was really great. And then I didn't go to the race, um, <laughs> but it was fine. Cause obviously I was, I was commentating from the box at Bigan Hill. So mm. I still saw everything, although I couldn't see much, the flares. I was just like, yeah, yeah. it's in the way. Um, and I think the drivers say it's quite difficult, isn't it? With the flares. Yeah. Um, but it looks sensational. I mean, what, what yeah. a result, what a result. And in that way, I'm quite glad, you know, Lewis won in front of his home crowd, Max won in front of his. Yeah. Um, and that's just beautiful isn't it that's just lots of people saying the atmosphere was just incredible like yeah. that they'd never seen anything like it and it was like we've got to come back to the netherlands so are you guys uh, gonna and, try and, so and go did. oh we'd, we'd love go. to go we'd love to go to every race but you know. <laughs> any every one any, or many. exactly yeah no any any race um <laughs> we've only ever been to britain so we'd love to go to obviously other ones but um and then we kind of move along a few races and then we've had norris who we know has had oh. so much potential particularly last season before that and then he performs in austria and then we get to russia and man he is on fire in qualifying and in the race and then Ah. So, and I was willing him to listen and, and pit and go in. And I just thought, come on, Lando, come on, come on, come on. Anyway, it was 
I think it was pride, wasn't it? He wanted to, to stay yeah. out and to do it. And it just unfortunately all came undone. And it's just heartbreaking watching that footage back because you just see everyone going past and he's sort of like mm. whirling around off track. And it's just, yeah, really, really sad. But his time will come. His time will come. He is but a baby still. So, um, but it was, yeah, it was quite tough to watch for him. Yeah, of course. I, yeah. I think even like Lewis Hamilton fans in the UK were willing Lando on. Yeah, gutted. I don't, I don't feel like there was many fans that weren't excited to see Lando at the front or to see him, you know, potentially win the race. I think yeah. Lando being both big on track and, you know, on, in the social world, you know, he, he does a lot of things, but he does a lot of racing on, on streams. He does. I think that's all he does. I think <laughs> yeah. that is his life. And, and golf. And golf. And golf. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're he's right. got he's such really... a following. He has, and he's really opened that um, side up of Formula One, you know, being sort of the one that's engaging with uh, the streamers, the gamers, like making sure that they're being engaged with, as well as people who come to track. I think he's mm. a very good uh, conduit for both both bits of Formula One, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, and he's a funny funny chap as well, isn't he? Yeah. And, he, and he's young <laughs> and he's British. And you're right, I think the Lewis Hamilton fans would have would have been happy to see him on the top set. But of course, that was the... The sort of fairy tale ending, wasn't it? That was when Lewis took the win, and that was his. It was his one hundredth, wasn't it? So mm, it was awesome. a kind of, yeah. He kind of got a bit of everything, even though we didn't get Lando's win. Yeah, and and I guess I guess I skipped over Monza, but of course for McLaren, what an amazing race! And Ricardo, his first win since Monaco in twenty eighteen, and it'd been a, such a long time coming, um, and a proven race winner before that, of course. Um, how impressed have you been with McLaren and the way they've really sort of pulled it back this year and really seem like they're making strides now with all of obviously the as we know too well the Honda power struggles yes exactly um I think much better fit with the Mercedes I think uh, you mentioned Daniel's win I think he'd slightly started to think can I do it again like mm. I think when you obviously turning up and doing what you've always done but not getting the results you've often got or, or sometimes got must be quite heartbreaking you might think oh god I, I don't know what to do um how to shake it up and will I ever be back on the top steps I think that was huge for his confidence I think McLaren were a funny one this year I think they kind of came at it guns blazing and then slightly leveled off mm -hmm. um but what I always remarked upon when we got our press releases ahead of each race weekend, Andreas Seidel always saying uh, continuity, consistency, managing of spare parts. It was almost like we need to be not neutral, kind of benign. Like they needed to just be there always when there was an mm. opportunity. And I think Monza really showed that, that they were there. They'd done everything they needed to do to be in the position to scoop up huge points. And I think that was their, their mindset, their modus operandi. And I, I kind of just hope that 2022 brings them even more success and so they don't have to be too cautious that actually they can deliver quite a bit more of an edgy car maybe because um, they've got two fantastic drivers again. And the pairings are sensational up and down the grid. It's um, so <laughs> excited. I know those pairings are staying the same, but you know what I mean? I, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love, I love looking over them and being like, oh my God, he's with him. He's with him. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> are you planning on doing a shoey anytime soon? <laughs> um, well, not out of one of mine. Actually, maybe maybe it's better out of one of mine rather than one of theirs. Those, those boots are sweaty at the end of a race. The boys are so sweaty at the end. So I'm not sure, but hey, well, I think you'd have to, wouldn't you? 
Being I offered think, to do yeah. a movie by Daniel Ricciardo, you'd be a fool to say no. I think, you know, Lewis Hamilton was so strict at the beginning, like, no, I'm never doing one. That's <laughs> no. gross. Give me a shoey. Suddenly you just wanted in on it. So um, I think you have to, when offered, always accept that. <laughs> And then, of course, we had Turkey, where for Bottas in the previous season had been probably his worst ever race. And uh, he spanned like, yeah, 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 eight, nine times or whatever to then win. Uh, yeah. Just uh, where did that come from? I think the pressure was off, wasn't it? He'd announced at that yeah. point that he was moving to Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. And I think ugh, often it's the case, isn't it, that you do something like a, a changing of team or just kind of an announcement of some kind, it kind of just gets the pressure off you and suddenly mm. you can perform well. We all know what it's like. You're trying to do something and you're feeling pressured and, and it's no good. You're not going to perform well. And I think you've just gone, oh, do you know what? I'm going to Alfa Romeo. The news is out. The negotiations have happened. The contract's been signed. Oh, deep breath. Let's go. And I think that just put him into to great form, which then it's always ironic, isn't it? You think, well, if you'd perform like that, maybe you wouldn't have needed to look for another seat. But uh, <laughs> hey-ho, that's fair go. Savage. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it's true, though. You sort of think, like, yeah. well, why do you, you perform like that? When And it's like when, you know, Pierre Gasly now, you know, and okay, maybe circumstances are different, perhaps wasn't in the right kind of circumstances and, mm. and conditions for him at Red Bull. But you think, God, why are you performing like that, Laugh to Harry? Like, mm. go on. Um, but obviously he's sensational as well, Pierre Gasly, another another brilliant driver. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, but I'll be interested right. to see what happens with Valtteri um, this year. I think mm. an interesting driver lineup with Guan Yu Zhou, uh, Valtteri Bottas, Alfa Romeo. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think it'll be a very different uh, setup for Valtteri. I mm. think perhaps a more relaxed one and one that actually he might enjoy. You know, Kimi Raikkonen enjoyed it. I think Fred Vasseur yeah. is exceptional as a team principal. Um, and I think Valtteri actually might quite like that sort of slightly out of the spotlight. Mm. Um, and he brings so much to the team. You know, having worked with Mercedes for so long, that's been a very, very long partnership since 2017. And he'll have lots to to bring to Alfa Romeo and to, to teach Guan Yu Zhou, who's an mm. exceptional racer as well. We've seen that obviously in F2. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that partnership, but I I think Valtteri will need to take a different approach um, mm. to, to the one he had at Mercedes. And that might work for him. You know, that might be the same thing. That might be pressures off. It's not a championship winning team. You're not, you know, a win isn't always required every Sunday, perhaps just a top 10 finish or perhaps like a mm. top six, you know, and that might suit him better. Obviously after that, we had, you know, Max winning in USA and a very close battle with him and Lewis Hamilton. We then have Mexico again, you know, battling all the way. But Brazil, the the last of the sprint races and a very up and down Grand Prix, not just for Mercedes, but Lewis Hamilton after effectively getting 25 place grid penalty. That was something else. And I was actually there that weekend. So I was I was a treat to be in sort of the the zone of it all. And and Mm. that bizarre Max looking at the rear wing being fined for touching it, the rear wing being uh, illegal, then Lewis being disqualified after a sensational lap. As you say, then in in total, a 25 place grid drop. It was bizarre, wasn't it? Mm. But it was also just beautiful. The whole, I mean, it's just that drive that Lewis then did on both the Saturday and the Sunday, sensational. We had another moment of them jostling yep. and pushing each other very contentious and, 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 hard, hard racing they call it hard racing hard <laughs> fair racing um yes it was a serious serious f1 weekend and it was one of those moments it's like refreshing your phone refreshing your phone what's going on is he going to be disqualified yes oh refresh again is he going to be fu-? it was just sort of it just kept on growing and growing the news stories just kept on uh, coming out headlines being written and rewritten and mm. yeah it was just 
just another weekend in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this was our, our another sprint race. And um, whilst we're on the sprint races, it's been the first trial of them throughout the, the last season in 2021. How do you think they were received by not just fans, but the, the paddock as well in, and the teams and the drivers? What kind of feeling did you get from the paddock? Well, I actually quite liked them. I thought they were quite a fun, I know they're a gimmick, but but why not? I think, again, it kind of gave some some nice little moments in the season. I think we could go back to not having them and it would mm. be fine too. Um, but I think, why not keep trying? It wasn't disastrous like the qualifying format back in 2016 i mean that no. was it was it was a much more successful uh trial of a gimmick than than the ones we've seen in the past so i think why not um you know it gave some people some time and some limelight and yeah why not why not why not more the merrier <laughs> but not too many how many no. are they pitching is it six i think it's six this yeah. year yeah yeah well we shall see <laughs> <laughs> just get down off the fence so we move away from Brazil uh, and we go to the Middle East, go to Ooh. Qatar and yeah, a pretty dominating display from Lewis Hamilton again after Brazil. And it's sort of going in the direction where are they going to be on equal points at the end of the season? <laughs> I mean, Max got the fastest lap, which kind of was like, oh, this is, could they do it now? And then, you know, we then go to Saudi Arabia and more controversy. <laughs> oh. It was never oh. ending, wasn't it? And you're right, the sort of mathematicians in the paddock and, well, does anyone really doing all the permutations? Like, if he does this and he does that, but he doesn't do this and he finishes <laughs> there. And I'm like, I can't keep up. Just tell me who's won. Um, yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? All of the, those last few races were just, again, just fitting, really. It would have been wrong for it to have kind of led into the final race in any other way. You know, Qatar was, that was sensational. Didn't we have Fernando on the podium? Mm. That was great. Uh, another moment, another fantastic yeah. moment from 2021. Um, I really enjoyed actually the race in Qatar. I, I was there as well. Did the triple header. That was that was good. That was a good bounce actually. I'm, I'm glad it's staying on Brazil, the calendar because it's normally a, yeah. a, a bike circuit in Lazelle. Yeah, but absolutely. Obviously, it's not going to be on the calendar for this year um, mm. due to the World Cup. But ten years afterwards, I, I feel like it's going to be a great fit for Formula One. Um, yeah, I, I think it's um, it'll be interesting again at how Pirelli and the teams approach the tyres. I think that was another little issue, of course, um, but I thought it gave us a great race and I really enjoyed actually being in the paddock there. Um, and you're right, they're busy with other things this year. We had lots of football shenanigans on, on the grid actually on the Saturday night, which is great. <laughs> Some of the most amazing uh, names in football coming to play on the grid with us. Um, so that was really cool. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I really really want to go back there for for more races with f1 and then yeah saudi wowza <laughs> wowza uh that was yeah something else that I think was. that's the most tense i've ever felt watching a race i could literally feel like the stress uh, yeah. like coming out of coming out of me like, i don't <laughs> think i've ever felt so on edge watching a grand prix before did you feel the same sort of being there or, or not I, I actually so I wasn't there I was back in the commentary box but the good oh. thing was I'd been lucky enough to go out there about a month beforehand when the circuit was still very much being built mm. and so the good thing was I could visualize it because I think that's quite an important thing for a commentator so you actually know mm. what the track's going to look like so I'd been there a bit before but obviously that didn't prepare me for what was to actually happen on track um but you're right I did I felt um yeah, we were we were looking at each other and in the commentary box, just a bit like, 
really? What? What's going on here? Um, it was all that sort of market bartering in the pit lane and the mm. offers being given yeah, by deals. I like what is that's not yeah, a thing. deals. It's like get down the local um market <laughs> in, in Saudi and, and give me your best price for gold. <laughs> I oh yeah, I did. At the end of the race, I felt quite quite stressed by it. I mean, mm. it was small fry compared to how I felt at the end of Abu Dhabi, but yeah, um, yeah, Saudi was a was a weird one. But again, I'm quite happy that we're going back again in March. You know, it's yeah. not long until we're back there. So, so the hopefully it'll be more race. finished as well, because they, they yeah. were still doing stuff. Yeah. Whereas now it should be fully Planting palm trees. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I have to say, I was, uh, I was surprised. I was kind of overwhelmed with how well they did in those. So I went out there beginning of November, like mm. very end of October, beginning of November. And... Yeah, I mean, I was issued with a hard hat, high-vis jacket. <laughs> um, we were only allowed around the course on, um, around the track on buggies. Mm. And it was not finished. They were still laying tarmac. So wow. it was an incredible operation, I have to say. Like, I really take my hat off to um, the powers that be that got that sorted. Mm. Um, I met a couple of them and they were quite, quite quite fraud, quite busy yeah, uh, in those particular <laughs> days. But what was amazing is you saw the difference. We were there, I think, for like 36 hours in total. And literally from night to day, you saw the difference. They were working around the clock. It was mm. it was amazing, a real operation. Um, but you're right. It'll probably just be a little bit more polished when we yeah. get back in March. But I think it will it will give us great racing again. And, you know, there's a long-term commitment from Saudi to F1. Obviously, we've got Aramco in there. And, you know, that's a whole different conversation. Mm. Um, and then we're going to move uh, to Diria. Diria, how do you say Diria? Diria, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, perhaps when they when they start building uh, the more the permanent fixture for us. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens because only it's quite weird, isn't it, to go back to a racetrack so quickly? Yeah, to go after to the end of the season, season to the beginning of the season. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be nice. I mean, we did we did it last year as well with, with Bahrain. With Bahrain, you know? yeah, hundred hundred and twenty three days or something between Bahrain. I think people felt like they'd been in Bahrain for 123 <laughs> days at the end of the sprint out there. Yeah. I think people were wondering whether they're going to have to start paying taxes uh, to Bahrain. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was quite a lot of time spent out there. But, you know, I, I like the circuit at Bahrain. The paddock's wonderful. They really look after us. So, and you, and yeah. you, had the, you had the job of telling Max that he was driver of the day, to which you yes. got a, let's say, a f highly fueled and emotional response. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I did question when my directors and producers in my ear said, I was like, you go through and do drive of the day. It's Max Verstappen. <laughs> I have to say, just from what we saw play out, given that things were still under investigation at that point as to whether it was a brake test or not, I was a little loath to go and tell him that he was driver of the day because, you know, if it had come out that it was really, really, really bad behavior, then why were we giving him driver of the day? <laughs> so I did have to quiz it. And I said, you know, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> and also sometimes the race winner doesn't, um, like, I was still unsure as who was going to win. Like, it was all odd, wasn't it? The mm, whole end of it. Undecided. Anyway, so I was like, okay. So I went in and I sound really like a headmistress. I'm literally like, Max Verstappen, your driver of the day, congratulations. Your thoughts on that race, please, or something like that. I'm like, please, why do I say please? Anyway, I think it was just, as you said, you know, it was quite a fraught race and um, there'd been a lot of stop starts and uh, I don't know, I think I was probably tired as well. Tired and emotional. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a, could you give me your thoughts, please? So terrible but yeah it was quite i have to say i don't know do you guys like that little feature the driver of the day yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i just think you were on you the receiving end 
No, no, you were on the receiving end of, you know, I don't know what racing is now. We just felt, I personally, watching it and listening to it felt really bad for you because I expected you to come off the back and be like, uh, okay, thanks for that. Uh, (laughs) It's difficult because actually I'm not allowed to do too many questions. So, um, because of course they're actually driving a car. So you slightly forget when you listen to the race engineer, you hear it. And it might be played back. Obviously, there's a delay on team radio uh, for any swearing to be beeped out and blah, blah, blah. And the, the engineer knows from GPS where the driver is. So they know precisely when to talk, when not to. You're not going to mm. try and talk while they're overtaking. And that's often why we get some of the sort of like, leave me alone stuff. But I have no idea of that. So I'm happily like, Max Verstappen, congratulations. You are driver of the day in Saudi Arabia. He could be coming up behind some cars and I might distract him. I did a practice with Charles Leclerc back in Portugal at the beginning of the year. And apparently he nearly crashed. I think A wasn't quite sure who was talking to him. So you think, gosh, I don't want to cause any problems. So you kind of, the guide is tell them they've got it, ask them a question about the race, Mm. let them answer. And then it's Congratulations, your driver of the day. But as you say, when Max came back with this sort of like, that's not F1 or it's not racing, I'm thinking, I have many more questions. I have many more questions. Um, but yeah, you have to slightly kind of like slide out of it and just think, oh gosh, okay, well, uh, well done. You are driver of the day. So yes, it's quite a tricky gig. And then, and then we have our, obviously our final race of the season and we're going in on equal points, something that's only happened once before in, in 74, I believe, um, with Regazzoni and Fittipaldi. And, Which weirdly, uh, you know that it was Fittipaldi's birthday on the Sunday it, as well. Yeah, yeah was that like was so strange. It was a beautiful, romantic story, all yeah. of this. It was just too perfect to be true. And I remember reading the notes and be like, what? He's gonna, it's his birthday. Oh my gosh, how perfect <laughs> is this? So um, yeah, what a what a way to end the season. What a treat. Say, going in with that. Yeah, the headlines just wrote themselves. Yeah, so of course, we all watched the race. Hamilton looked like he had the outright pace. It looked like he was on course to his eighth title. And of course, we know what transpired. There's been so much about it, of course, understandably. And F1 itself uh, has kind of been in this bit of limbo with this inquiry still going on. We've been hearing in the last couple of days before recording this that Massey might not be carrying on next season. How do you sum up kind of what went on? And do you think that it's going to taint what's going to happen next season? Or do you think we'll get over it? I pick up on your last point first. I hope it doesn't taint it because I think that would be um, sad for the sport. I hope it changes it. I hope it makes sure that loopholes and rules and and, um, regulations are tightened up and made clearer. There's a bit more clarity for teams and drivers and for the race direction. Um, I think everybody needs to be on the same page. And I think hopefully it's meant that everybody's taken a better look at the rules and made sure there aren't moments for... um, changes to be made on the hoof. Mm. So yeah, so I hope it doesn't taint it. I hope it changes it for the better. I think what we saw was unfortunate for the sport. Mm. I wouldn't want Michael Massey's job. I don't think actually many of us would, if we really think about it, it's very easy to complain and criticize someone who's made decisions. And and obviously people will think it was the wrong decision. People will think it was the right decision. I think what we sort of have forgotten in all this, everyone sort of go, oh, Charlie would never have done that or whatever. Mm. Charlie always had a, a right-hand man. He had Herbie Blash on the phone next to mm. him. And he often was the one talking to the teams. So actually, Michael Massey has been given quite a lot to do without a replacement uh, right next to him, like, like Charlie had Herbie. And I think perhaps Michael just needs more support going forward. If he keeps the job, um, which of course, perhaps that may or may not play out. We're not sure. Um, perhaps there needs to be more people 
making those decisions and therefore um, it, it make it less intense. You know, mm. yes, he is race director. It should be intense, but not to the point that the wrong decisions are being made because of the flustered moment and there aren't enough people mm. helping to kind of to, to get through that. So it was, yeah, as I say, an unfortunate end, but in a sort of perverse way, almost the perfect end because it had mm. been a year where everything was thrown up in the air. The form book didn't, didn't mean anything. And it would have been too straightforward almost for it to have not ended in the yeah. way it did. Uh, even I was, I also said, you know, if it had ended behind the safety car, that would have been another twist, you know, mm. after all that, it ended behind the safety car. That would have been another, you know, gosh moment. So yeah, I, I feel for Michael Massey. I think it was probably a very difficult year in total for him. I think, mm. I, I saw him when I was in Saudi Arabia. I saw him, he was doing a track walk, making sure that track was right. Then he was going on to Abu Dhabi. Then he was going over to Mexico. Then yes, it's all part of the job, but mm. there is an element of fatigue a lot. Isn't there as well. There's a yeah. lot to do. Um, as I say, I wouldn't want the job. If he keeps it, I hope he's supported to make uh, the decisions that, you know, mm. follow rules and, and make sure that he's, he's okay. And, and the sport continues to improve. I think that's the, that's the main thing. You know, when you yeah. have a big moment like that in the sport, you just hope it, it, changes it for the better just use the last point to say with Hamilton obviously you've been very close to interviewing him in, in the last few years and kind of judging his character and kind of what went on and in the last few races do you see him returning I really want to see him return I think he's a huge asset to the sport um I understand why he's taken a massive breather from social media. I think he's probably needed that time mm. to decompress and step away from it. I think you often regret things that are said when you're hot headed and, and feeling very emotional about things. And I, I take nothing away from him in the fact that he should feel emotional about that. That was a huge moment in his career. Mm. Um, I just hope we see him on the grid because F1 would be a, a worse place for it if he wasn't there. And it's something we've got to consider because one day he will hang up his boots, but I hope mm. it's not now. I hope he comes back and fights harder. And I hope, you know, I think he'll be seen as a hero, not just a champion if he does that. Yeah. Oh, Rosanna Tennant, thank you so much for coming on Around the Outside. It's been great to hear about your career and running through 2021 with us in such detail. So thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you so much. Enjoy 2022. Thank and you. thank you so much for having me. See you soon, guys. Thank you. What a pleasure to have Rosanna on the podcast. We want to thank her for her time and also a chance to reminisce about what a season we had, the highs and lows, but also the inside guide as to some of the spicy and fruity moments that this season delivered. We are around the outside want to thank each and every one of our guests in the past year. In doing so, we both have had a chat about how we can deliver the best content to you, our listeners. We're working hard behind the scenes to bring you some more amazing guests to join us throughout 2022. Our feature episodes, after listening to your feedback, is what you guys enjoy the most and what you want. So we're going to listen to you. And by listening to you, we also want to hear who you want on the podcast for the upcoming season. We want your ideas. We'd love to hear your ideas. Get involved on our Facebook and Instagram and let us know. Just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and it's at ATO Podcast underscore on Instagram. Who do you want to hear more from? Particular people, particular roles in F1, topics that we haven't covered yet. We'd love to hear from you. Well, with the new season around the corner and testing only weeks away, we'll see you in our next episodes when we kick off for a brand new year in Formula One, previewing another exciting campaign that lies ahead. Watch this space and we'll see you very soon on the Round the Outside. Mm -hmm.